Welcome to another episode of Movie Mastery. It's the podcast where we watch the movies you suggest, then we come back and report on what we just saw. We don't know what we're going to watch until we sit down to watch it because we randomly determine what we're going to see every week. Every single week. It's every other week, John. Every single week. Fair enough. (laughs) So, this week we have determined we are going to be watching Screamers. That's correct. 1995's Screamers. Screamers, and the joy of this is it's got RoboCop himself in there. Yeah, there was a Peter Weller in that in the movie. Just one, though. Just one Peter Weller. Well, probably. It looks like it's about robos. There might be more than one Peter Weller. <laughs> there may be more than one Peter Weller. There may be Peter Wellers. Yeah, Peter's Weller, I think. is. <laughs> Peter's Weller. I think that's... Actually, that just sounds like a town in Australia. Ha! <laughs> <laughs> Peter's Weller. <laughs> Welcome you all to Peter's Weller. <laughs> Yeah, that's that's perfect. Good job. <laughs> There's vendor at Nala Beerongs for the taking if you want some. Oh, yeah. Get them all the good and vendor it. <laughs> Damn it. Uh, okay, so right. that was that was uh, suggested to us by Tressy. Trezzy. Trezzy. Trey's eye. Tressy. Something like that. Anyway, I think we did already watch the trailer, such as it is. Yeah, so uh, the trailer for this is... There's there's a planet and boy Peter Peter Weller sure looks like he's got to fight some screamers. <laughs> this is not a promising trailer. No, god. <laughs> this it looks like the movie really wants to be like Terminator, I guess, ish. Well, I, we can probably start with one of the most important things about the trailer. You know how a good trailer for a movie will be like uh from the director of Yeah. Yeah, you get that sort of thing like oh, from the director of Jaws. This one has from the novelist who brought you Blade Runner and Total Recall. Good. Which, you know, that does tell me that this is a movie based on one of the many Philip K. Dick short stories. Yep, it certainly is. And I guess that's all they have to sell it. Yeah, they didn't even give you, like, by the guy who was in RoboCop. None of that. Just Philip K. Dick. We're selling this thing on the strength of the guy who wrote Do Androids Dream of Electric Sheep. Yeah, we are 100% just like, man, the only thing we have going for us, the only name to attach to this is Philip K. Dickerson. (laughs) Dickerdoodle. Yeah, the Dickerdoodles. There we go. So, uh, not a lot going for it. Also, I feel like I feel like the trailer spoiled the only thing that it had going for it was it was trying to also do... Sort of like John Carpenter's The Thing was like, oh, someone's a robot. You don't know who's a robot because these weird murder machines have begun to look like humans. Except there is a point in the trailer where they're like, oh, you can only tell them by their scream. And then they show one of them doing the scream. And you're like, oh, it's it's going to be that person. Yeah. They're the secret robot. Thanks. It's, it's a woman in a, like a white jumpsuit. Yeah, you're like, so. okay, that lady's a robot. Thank you for spoiling that yeah, trailer. Good, good work. Now I'm going to go into this movie being like, Oh, what did you introduce this woman? Oh, she's a robo. Yeah, Good job. She's, she's a secret robo all I, the way through. I, I know that this lady is a secret robo. Good job, movie. The, the only thing for us to do now is determine who else are secret robos. <laughs> who is secretly a robo? Who is in the closet about how robo they are? <laughs> no robo. Some robo. Fair enough. Some robo. A little robo. <laughs> a little robo in my life. Yeah. Okay, uh, so predictions about this movie. First of all, that lady in the white jumpsuit, probably a robot. (laughs) Go ahead and make that prediction. There you go. Yeah. Uh, Let's go ahead and say there are going to be at least three robos. Okay, at least three different types of robo or just three robots? Uh, Three of the people shown are going to be robos. Okay, three of the people shown are robos. At least three robo. Okay. And Uh, I, I assume one of them will be towards the end. You'll be like, oh, here's the robo that we know. And here's the surprise robo, and then there will be like that two people leaving on a ship, and they're like, man, I sure am glad we got away from that planet full of robos. And then the other guy's like, beep, boop, yes, that was acceptable. (laughs) This is an optimal outcome. Yeah, Yeah, 100%. Yeah, okay, I can see that being a good prediction. I'm going to go with a slightly different one. I'm going to say no one lives. (laughs) <laughs> all death all death it's a the robots win yeah the ro- well not even that the robots win just that the planet gets blown up or something it's gonna be one of those no one survives stories oh, it's it's gonna be like the last human and it's surrounded by robos and he just hits the self-destruct button yeah that's gonna be one of my predictions for this okay 
All right. Uh, and last prediction for me, I'm going to go ahead and say that, let's say, RoboCop, definitely a robo. Okay. Yeah, robo. Peter Weller is a robo, robo in this movie. Okay. Yeah. To use the parlance of the day. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, he was a cop and a robo. So he was a, ro- he was a <laughs> he robot was a robo-cop. cop. He was a Robert cop. <laughs> Robert cop three. <laughs> okay. My last prediction, and this is, a, this is a blanket prediction I always give to shitty, cheap, low-budget sci-fi movies. The main character of the film is going to be obsessed with shit from the modern era. Like, I, I don't mean the modern era of the movie setting, because it looks like it's set in the 2080s, I think it said. Yeah. But rather, he's going to be obsessed with shit from, like, the 90s. Like oh, the yeah. 1990. Like no, you always all- have someone who's like, oh, man, I, I really love all of that music that everyone is listening to like the audience is. Yeah. I'm the sort of person you can identify with because I'm still wearing Converse high tops while everyone else is wearing crazy future shoes. Oh, yeah. They're like, oh, I prefer the bases ball team from the 1980s. Yeah. I, I guarantee you he's going to be one of those. Okay. So that's that's my prediction. And that's two each, I think. There you go. All right. So let's... Let's go ahead and watch this movie and try and spend as little time on our phones as possible. <laughs> I've already got mine out. It's just sitting here. I already know. I'm just waiting. So there you go. We, we will be back after having watched Screamers. Ah. Ah. Screamers. Oh, no. And we are back. We have watched Screamers, and it was truly a delight for all of the senses. I could taste that film. (laughs) Here's the things I remember most about the Screamers. Uh, I like drinking orange soda with alcohol in it. Yeah, that's a good thing to remember. Yeah, and uh, Peter Weller has been in other movies. Good. Those are two things to take away from this. Yeah. I'm glad you got that as a takeaway. Also, there is a song in the middle of it that sounds a lot like All I Want to Do is Have Some Fun. It really did. Yeah. Like a lot. I don't know what that song was. Actually, let's cut to a clip. But all I want to do is have some fun. I got a feeling I'm not the only one. You're right. But it is 100% that song. And it's played in such an incongruous moment. Oh, yeah. It's like, oh, we've got a we got a peace treaty that we need to go and see about. We're going to travel across this desert that's full of radiation and evil people robot are, saws. There's these saws that want to kill you. And here we go. da 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 yeah what the hell yeah anyway just thought you might like to hear the the one song on this thing's soundtrack yeah Uh so we uh yeah and we we open in this movie with like a five minute like oh the text crawl crawl yeah that's never a good sign and this one's one of those ones where you you start counting the paragraphs as they go by and you're like oh no another paragraph yeah normally when you get that opening text narration it's like in the year 2237, there was a war. These are the men who fought, and now their stories. And you're like, okay, you gave me like a sentence, whatever. You did a setup. Yeah, the or- Galactic Alliance has agreed to hunt Han Solo. Okay, let's get to the movie. That that weird yellow letters are just going to fly through space till they hit something. Yeah, but now it's like, okay, let me tell you about this this story, all about how my life got flipped, turned upside down, and I'd like to take a minute just sit right there. <laughs> oh, you aren't going to keep going? Tell you how I became a prince of a town called Bel Air. There you go. That's all I wanted. All right, no, but no, it's like five minutes and about six paragraphs. It's an essay that goes by. Yeah, they need you to know all of the setup because no one... Actually, no, that's not true. I was going to say because they don't really explain it later, but they do. The characters explain what happens. It's just 
they knew that the audience was going to stop paying attention after about two minutes of this shit movie. Let's go ahead and point out that most of the shit in the narration is completely irrelevant anyway. Here, let me give you the basic rundown of what the narration was. Uh, The year is 2078. There was a massive energy crisis, but it was solved when on some distant planet they discovered a new element called berinium which can be used to solve all of the problems with, with energy. Yeah, like How- a spoonful of berinium could get you to Jupiter from Earth or yeah, whatever. Yeah, it can also make the medicine go down. <laughs> yeah, just a spoonful of berinium. Makes the medicine go down. The medicine go down. Medicine go down. Just a spoonful of berinium. <laughs> no, okay. God. Wait, no. Uh, it's no, okay. just a musical episode, apparently. Uh, apparently. Uh, no, okay. So the problem with the berinium is that... Uh, re- Cutting open and getting it out of the ground causes radiation clouds to come out and kill people. Yeah, it's just massive relation, relation, relations. Yeah, yeah massive, massive relations. relations. I think it's an erasure song. <laughs> yeah, yeah, massive releases of radiation happen every time you dig into the ground for this. Yeah. So you go, oh, I found a vein of berinium or whatever, and just getting it out of the ground causes a bunch of radiation to go out right now also there are two organizations that are digging for berinium one of them is called the new economic block well no the new economic block is just the ones who are getting it and then as soon as it was discovered that it was murdering everyone and it was fucking awful they were like oh you can't do that anymore and then the alliance was founded to stop them right so the new economic block are the evil berinium miners who i don't understand why you need to stop them from mining berinium seeing as how all they're doing is killing themselves on a planet that only they live on yeah, it was a weird thing to me where they were willing to go to war to stop the berinium mining when they were like, oh, but what you could do is instead just say either, A, we won't buy any berinium from you so it's no longer profitable to have a horrible mining uh, situation going on, mm-hmm. or two, go, all right, well, if you want to keep murdering your own people, I guess that's your deal. So anyway, people show up on the planet to to uh, try and stop these new economic block people from mining berinium. Uh, the the NEB nukes them. So there's also radiation from a nuke that occurred and blew up a city on the planet. Uh, in response, the Alliance, which has a couple people left on the on the planet in the form of some soldiers, uh, it deploys what a robot that they've invented that they call autonomous swords. Yeah, and these. Are- these swords are a design they got from Earth because most of the people that are actually the Alliance soldiers were miners. Yeah. Like, that was a thing. They did rise up and go, no, we won't fucking mine your shit anymore. Yeah. But even then, there was like, oh, they got a design from Earth that said, you need to build this little robot and it'll self-replicate and it will murder everything. This is a great plan. Please follow through with I don't this. Know, here's here's the thing. They can build little robots with saw blades that can do cool robot stuff, right? Could they build them to... And I'm just going out on a limb here. Just bear with me. Hold as on, I, wait a minute. As I go out and extrapolate. Okay. Could they build them to mine berinium? Nah, that's crazy talk. That's that that's too crazy to build robots that don't get killed by radiation that could go out and just mine the berinium? Yeah, no. You can definitely have autonomous sword-like... The spheres from Phantasm fly around chopping dudes' arms off. Oh my god. That can self replicate and learn from their experiences and have a weird AI. Yeah. But no, you would not be able to program a machine to get you berinium. No, that's just nonsense. That is I'm sorry. Crazy. I, I shouldn't have even brought that in here. I feel ashamed of myself. Yes. Okay. You should. So that's the the next alliance step is that they deploy these robots, which yes, look like little balls. Well, you never see them, because instead what they look like is little waves of dirt. Yeah, that thing that always happens in any movie where they're like, oh, we have some burrowing thing. All right, well, we get that dirt wave that runs around on the ground. Which means that they have a special effects guy whose specialty is putting a ball just under some loose dirt and pulling it by a string. Yep. So... Get used to that, because that's like the bad guy in this movie for the first half of it. And our first scene after our five-page text crawl... Oh, which we haven't even finished describing all the shit that happened in that, but assume that there are two blocks, they don't like each other, there's robots all over the planet called swords, which, by the way, are not swords in any way. No, they're they're, spears with buzz saws. These are not swords. They are saw blades. If if you're going to call them anything, they call them screamers because they make a horrifying high-pitched metal-on-metal noise, but also... They call them swords because they have saw blades on them. Ugh. We have... I, I know that you could call a saw a saw. You call them buzz, bo- buzz bots or saw bots. 
buzz bombs. Yeah, not swords. No. So we get a scene where a guy walks up to some like military outpost through a desert, and he's got a little tube in his hand, and he's he's trying to get in there. And we've got some people in the bunker that are looking at him like, oh, look at this dumb idiot. Well, the screamers will get him. And then the screamers get him and straight just play with him yeah they they cut his leg off and then cut his arm off yeah and the way that they work and he shoots a lot of them before he dies but the way that they work is that they go dirt waving through the ground and then at the last second they jump out of the ground and they look like little torpedoes with saw blades all over them and they cut off part of your body and then they dip back into the sand and And so so this kills him Mm -hmm. and all the people there sitting there watching it are perfectly fine to see him get maimed but as soon as one like hits him in the head and kills him then we have a guy who just, like, vomits and everyone else turns away. And you're like, why were you watching it? Yeah. You know what these things are. I feel like that same scene happened in the never-ending story when they were watching the knight try to go through those two booby sphinxes. <laughs> remember that? And, like... You remember those boob sphinxes? Yeah, they, and the movie was so low on budget at that point that instead of using two different gates, they just shot them with a different light for the second, second set of boob gates. But the first one's, like, straight up lasered that dude to death. And, every, and that dude watching was like, no, ew, gross. You're like, oh, isn't this your job, little weird gnome dude, to watch dudes <laughs> die in this thing? <laughs> yeah, but no one's ever come here before. Yeah. First time. This is all theoretical. <laughs> so the tube that this guy had that they then go get was apparently a communication from NEB, the, uh, the new, the new economic, economic block. block. Yeah. That they wanted to have a peace tree. They're tired of fighting over a dead planet that doesn't matter, and they want to have peace. And so we, after that, the guy who goes out and gets the message is like the hard-bitten second-in-command of the remaining Alliance guys. So he walks out and gets the message, and he has, when he goes out there, he has to set up one of the other things about this movie, which is a little bracelet you can wear that messes up your heartbeat so that the robots can't track you. Yeah, they track you by heartbeat because they that's how they know you're alive and they should be attacking you. Mm-hmm. So this one sends out a signal so that it seems like your heartbeat is not actually there or whatever. Yes, and it's a bl- bracelet that has a red light to indicate that it's not working and a green light to indicate that it is working and you have to constantly tap it and click it and stuff to make it work. Yeah, because this is... Sci-fi where it's like, oh, I have this ridiculous, complicated device, and in order to make it work, I have to whack it. Yeah. It's the it's the distant future where everything is just basic LEDs from a Christmas tree. <laughs> also, the planet, let's go ahead and put this out of the way. The planet is clearly a California desert, and uh, there's a lot of, like, overturned cars <laughs> and halves of buses and rusty, like, water po- like uh, things. It is a very trashy planet. Yeah. It's like, super trashy. Yeah. It's just unpleasant. So the communique gets to Peter Weller. Oh, God. I guess we got to set up his fucking shit. Okay, so Peter Weller's character starts the movie leaning way back in a chair. Just staring at a coin. Just staring at a coin and listening to opera. Yeah, Don Giovanni. He's listening to opera, the thing you listen to when you want to set yourself up as a cultured soldier. Yep, so he's sitting there looking at an ancient coin and listening to opera, and boy, like, we didn't get the prediction that uh, we'd have the guy who likes old-school Earth stuff that would happen, like, modern day. Yeah, I was predicting more of a Will Smith in iRobot thing where he's, you know, like, oh, I like motorcycles and the music of Len. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no, instead it's it's just I'm culture. Yeah. It, it's I like twentieth cent. I like old stuff, and new stuff is stupid, even in the future. <laughs> future new stuff also stupid. Guys like that wouldn't get promoted to military command positions. If you're like, I like the eighteen hundreds. Okay, well you can't be in the military then. Napoleon was in the military in the eighteen hundreds. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well. Goodbye. No. Yeah. No one. No <laughs> Thanks. One, we've got enough. Yeah. Your <laughs> modern newfangled tanks are just gonna fall apart next to my hoop on a stick I invented. Ah, uh, my hoop on a stick. I invented. <laughs> oh, hoop on a stick. You know, for kids. Yeah. Hoop okay. on a stick. <laughs> no. So he's one of those. I was I was about half right on this. Yeah. And uh, so he gets a communique that there's going to be peace, and they're, they're all about it. They get a little hologram back from Earth from whoever's in charge of the Alliance. Secretary That's like, Green. 
Yeah, and he's like, yeah, sure, go for it. Fucking do your stuff. So there's this hologram that comes from Earth, and it's like, hey, we've decided that there could be lasting peace because we found Berinium on another planet. You guys are on Sirius 6B, but we found Berinium on Triton 4. And Triton 4 has Berinium that doesn't cause super radiation when you dig it out, so it's going to be fine. You go meet up with the NEB, and you'll have some peace. Some peas. And then while he's reading that message and being all excited that they'll finally have some peace... There is a message that an, a spaceship is requesting permission to land and not saying why they want to land. So he's like, no, fuck you. Oh, yeah. Well, it was like, what is this? Oh, it's some spaceship that says it's a civilian transport, but they want to land and won't say why. And, and he's like, nope, no permission. And then so instead, the ship crashes and everyone on board except one guy dies. Yep. And that guy is Ace Ace Ventura. Ace Screamer detective. Ace Je- jo- Jefferson? Ace Freely. It's Ace Jefferson or something like that. It's it's a terrible name. But uh, yeah, one survivor on the dumb ship, which the ship, by the way, straight up looks like a school bus with like a fin on it. Yeah, they just took a big sheet of metal, put it on top of a school bus, and were like, good enough. And they had it crash off screen because, you know, we don't have the budget for that. No. So we just see him walking up to a crashed spaceship, digging the one guy out because he's... Oh my god, does this movie have a case of the main character being the badass superhero that old dudes are supposed to appreciate? Yeah, and we also get, we kind of saw it in the first scene, but we also get it here, where the Screamers, after just murdering people or doing whatever, will begin pulling bodies underground. Yeah, they pull like bodies. Like their own cleanup crew. Yeah, they, they clean up the little bodies so that you can't have them. Uh, anyway, we also, god, this scene with the with the spaceship... Seems like it's setting up some big advanced mystery for the rest of the movie, all of which, all of which is ignored later. First of all, the ship is labeled Sirius 6B Transportation Unit, which Peter Weller's like, there's no such thing as a Sirius 6B Transportation Unit. What the hell is this? And the one guy who survived is like, no, man, we were headed to Triton. We're fighting the war there. Yeah, and he's like, what? But you're on Sirius. And that guy's like, I shouldn't be. Me and a bunch of jarheads, I don't know. We're on our way to Triton. And, and... You guys have some nuclear thing on your weird space bus I know. that makes weapons. And the one survivor was like, no, we don't. And you're like, okay, so some kind of conspiracy is happening here. Oh, and then the the, uh, the one survivor also tells them that the message they got from Secretary Green can't be real because Secretary Green died two years ago. Well, was uh, removed from power. He was arrested. Oh, that's right. Yeah, but he was it doesn't matter. From power. They're like, oh, he's not around anymore. But at that point, you go, okay, so... If you'd watch the trailer, you know, oh, someone's a secret robo. Yeah. So you start thinking, all right, well, is this guy a secret robo? Because everything he's saying is weird and cryptic, but I'm sure that's probably just going to be some kind of red herring. But yeah. we'll find out later that it, this it, is a, a plot to do whatever. If you disregard the trailer, my first thought, because I was like, ah, the trailer's pointless. I'm not going to pay any attention to it, is maybe this is some kind of time dilation storyline about how, oh, war- light speed travel. This guy died years ago. Your battle is pointless because humanity has moved on. But no, that's not it either. The The real answer is nothing. The ship has nothing to do with anything except bringing in a character. Yeah, they will never answer why that ship is called the 6B Transportations. They will never answer why there's a nuclear thing in their uh, transport. They will never answer why it was crash landing here and why it was going here. None of that will be answered or even questioned after this initial scene. No, instead, uh, basically, Sergeant Robocop gets real mad because uh, he thinks that the uh, plant, that they're going to get left behind on the planet. Through all these random pieces, he puts together that what's actually happening is that because Triton 4 has free beryllium, and it would be too expensive and dangerous to come to, uh, to Sirius B and rescue all these Alliance guys, they're just going to keep sending them food in- so that they don't starve to death, but also never take them off the planet. Yeah, they're just like, oh, they'll keep sending us like little mission statements that say, yeah, you definitely need to stay there, and you're you're fighting the good fight. Don't try and leave. Yeah, uh, so just stay where you are, and until they die, because it wouldn't be worth it to bring them home. Because if they brought them home, people would find out about the war. Yeah, so apparently that's what he thinks is going on. Yes, and so he decides, uh, screw it, screw all things. I'm going to go over to the NEB and basically just work out a deal with them where we all agree as a group that the the Earth sucks and we are friends. Yeah, they're like, look, we're just going to go over there, we're going to hash out a peace thing, then as a group we're going to leave this dumb planet because it's stupid. Yeah, and his second in command is like, no, dude, don't do that, that's dumb. And he's like, I'm doing it. Okay, well, don't do that because it's dumb. 
And he's like, not only am I doing it, I'm taking that random guy from the spaceship with me. Oh, why would you do that? He has nothing to do with the politics here, doesn't know the planet, and is probably kind of an idiot. And is not. it was not bound for here. He has nothing to do with here. He's supposed to be for Triton. Yeah, well, screw it. I'm going to take him because he's a gunnery level six. Oh, yeah, they keep saying gunnery level six. He's a good shot. Yeah. So we get introduced. At this point, this is uh, when they go off on their walk to encounter the NEB. This is where we hear all I want to do is have some fun. <laughs> and also it's where we get, we're introduced to the fact that the planet is super irradiated and you can't go outside unless every once in a while you smoke a red cigarette. Yeah, they've got these little red cigarettes that you have to smoke that the smoke from that counteracts radiation. Yeah, and they call them radiation reds. Great. I, I swear it's just another excuse. I, I, the whole movie seems to be calibrated to make guys over 50. Like the kind of guy who buys and, and improves of late period Steven Seagal movies. Oh, I thought you were going to say the kind of guy who watches Taken a lot. Oh, yeah, that too. It's the same thing. It's dad movies. Yeah. Any movie where someone's like, yeah, rock that world. Oh, lock and load. <laughs> yeah, no, the movie where some 50-year-old guy's like, Look, I'm going to be a super badass, and you need to figure out that all the things that were cool in the 70s are awesome. Yeah. Ugh, cell phones are for morons. I'm going to use a rifle to solve this problem. That's, that's the kind of movie this is. What, so the radiation red is straight up just an excuse to show Peter Weller smoking a cool cigarette. Yep. And being like, yeah, on this planet, smoking's good for you. No one should encourage me to stop smoking on Sirius 6B. Especially not my stupid bitch of a wife or my kids. Yeah, that's that's what this movie is. Uh, Although, I'd be willing to bet, guaranteed, that the actual... Uh, oh, I'm sure the book has that. ...has fucking cigarettes that stop radiation in them. Yeah, obviously. Yeah. So, they, uh, they go towards the NEB, which I guess their headquarters was in the mining facility? Yes, they were headquartered in a big mining... Actually, no. that's They make it to the mining facility first. There's a command headquarters for the NEB, like, officers and important people in charge, but uh, that that's behind the mining facility. So they get to the mining facility first, but first we go through three days of the two characters walking through this wasteland, avoiding screamers, and we, we establish that Ace, the gunnery sergeant, Talks a lot about stupid shit. That's his character trait. Yeah. He's a young guy who talks too much about dumb shit when instead he should be being stoked and smoking his radiation reds. Yep. Oh, you you new recruits, you don't know what's what. You're you're not going to win a war by yourself. Everything's stupid and bullshit. You should know that by now. You're Aww. like my idiot son. <laughs> Why don't you get a real job? Yeah, there's no such thing as fucking the humanities. What the shit is that? Would you shut the fuck up? The game is on. <laughs> So then they meet a small child. And they aren't suspicious about the small child, even though he doesn't have access to cool red cigarettes that would save him from radiation. Nor does he have a bracelet that would stop a screamer from cutting his goddamned head off. Although, I'm going to be honest here, I feel like he's pretty safe from screamers since he's staying in a building. And the screamers appear to primarily move through loose dirt or snow. That's well, a- you know, it's, it's Tremor's rules to start with. Yeah. Which means he's doing fine until such time as we learn that they can come out of that loose dirt situation that they seem to prefer. Normally, it seems like they're super dangerous if you're adjacent to potting soil. <laughs> Otherwise, you're or like a, at a beach. Otherwise, you're fine. Yeah, but even then, he was still like camped out in an open area. Yeah. Like one could have just jumped at his dome. Yeah, so there's a little kid there and he's got a teddy bear. And he's apparently survived for, like, five years on his own. Yeah, since he was and they four. Are, they are not suspicious at all. No, they are not. And and uh, he keeps saying, can I come with you? And uh, he, he tells him his name is David. Yeah. And uh, anyway, they let David come with them after first telling him no. And then he says, can I come with you? And they're like, yeah, okay. Yeah, that's fine. So they bring him going the wrong way to the NEB headquarters. Yeah, because at first they were like, look, no, we're headed to the headquarters. You can't come with us. You stay here. We'll get you on the way back. And then he's just like, can I come with you? Yeah, okay, now we now we can have you come with us. Yeah. We changed our mind the yeah. second time. Oh, my God. Oh, that scene when, when he, they stay the night in, in wherever it is that David lives is also features a shock scare from a bug that is shaped like a rock. Yeah. It's all it's a rock, and then it goes, I'm yeah. a bug. I'm a bug. And the little kid's laughing about it, I guess, because he's seen those before. But the two adults are like, ah! And the uh, the things shouldn't change conservative old RoboCop in this movie. He's like, man, if you're going to be a rock, stay a rock. 
Don't be a rock that turns into a bug. If you're a boy, stay a boy. Don't put on a dress and make up. Yeah. No, this this movie. Oh, my God. I hate him so much. Uh, I hate everything. He's so annoying. He's not even close to the worst character in the movie, though. We're about to meet the worst characters in the movie. However, before we get there, they have to walk up, and that's when they have a little scanny device, and it scans all of them, because there's a guy with a gun that's scanning the approach. Yeah. And he's like, oh, I pointed at Peter Weller, and... RoboCop is armed, and I pointed at Ace Freely, and he is armed, and then I pointed at a little child, and it says, he is armed. Ooh. So, they shoot the kid. They shoot the kid because he's actually a robot. Like, there's zero tension here. Yeah. He is obviously a robo. Yeah, he's completely a robo. He would have been irradiated to death years ago. Or killed by a screamer, or starved, yeah. or, or, or. Well, they even ask him at one point. They start by saying, how do you? How are you alive? Where are you getting food? He goes, food. And they're like, yeah, food. Where are you getting it? Different, different place. And they're like, okay, yeah, that makes yeah, sense. Yeah, sure, 100%. I'm on board. Different place. Different that's my favorite restaurant. restaurant. Yeah, good, I go to different place at all the time. They're like, the only thing open at two. You know, that's what like, you go to Hardee's, you know, and you're like, ah, this is a different place. <laughs> I live on the West Coast, and this is usually a Carl's Jr., but here it's a different place. Yeah. Oh, I went to Checkers. Normally it's rallies, but yeah. I went to Checkers. There aren't even White Castles around here. I'm going to go to one because it's a different place. Ugh. No, but... Anyway, they shoot the kid, and it's immediately established that he's a robot, and there's a running theme in the movie of Peter Weller cutting the little computer chip out of every robot so he can look at it. Yeah, it's the little, like, processor mind thing. Yeah, and so this one's got a square processor. Oh, well, the, the old one had a circle. He's like, this is crazy different. Oh, they've evolved to look like a kid. Look like a kid. Oh, no. Anyway, then we meet the two guys who are living in the NEB base but are actually just mercenaries. Uh, there's the one who's... <laughs> got glasses and has a lot of post-traumatic stress because his unit got killed by screamers but he survived yeah and then we have a guy who is constantly quoting shakespeare and is a huge douchebag uh yeah he is a very incongruous character he looks he looks like a danny mcbride type because he's wearing giant mirror sunglasses yeah he just looks around. like a scumbag he does he's got fucking like uh screech hair and scumbag sunglasses and and he just quotes shakespeare constantly which if I could just bring it to a to a crashing halt for a second, what is it with shit movies and Shakespeare or Casablanca? No, you have to quote other things because they aren't able to create their own like good culture. Yeah. So in order to show that a character is smart or cultured or cool, they have to reference something that's actually cool or smart right. or cultured and it's always one of those two things it's always the bad guy and it's going to say cry havoc and let's slip the dogs of war or it's going to be a bunch of references to casablanca yeah i mean i can quote examples food fight overdrawn at the memory bank the postman <laughs> just blasting out of my memory banks they, they they always do those things it's either casablanca or shakespeare quotes no one's ever like as mark twain once said <laughs> which i would love some guy who just obsessively quotes Mark Twain. Oh, yeah, and just weird things. Like, he just start, starts talking about jumping frogs, and you're yeah. like, what? Just gets obsessed with Frida Kahlo art and just constantly brings that up. Uh, uh, uh. I'm, I'm longing to get back to Earth as soon as possible so I can look at a bunch of women who have one eyebrow. <laughs> look, I'm big into Georgia O'Keeffe. <laughs> None of the skulls on this planet look vagina-y enough for me. <laughs> uh, so... Then we also get introduced to the last person when they bring them inside, which is the lady who is definitely not a robot. Ah, there she For is. sure, definitely, definitely not. Cer certainly was not confirmed to be a robo in the trailer. Yes, and she has no problems with immediately getting naked and sponge bathing herself. Oh, that scene is ridiculous. Again, it falls right into the dad fantasy that this movie is. It's like, oh, what are you, a cool badass older guy with like army training? I better get naked in front of you. She does it by walking in and going, hey, you guys quit arguing and fighting in here. This is my gross old warehouse. Anyway, here's a bottle of Johnny Walker Red Label. You guys drink that. I'm going to take this other bottle of Johnny Walker Red Label. And hey, you, Mr. Mr. Sexy Older Gentleman, could I bum a cigarette off you? And then she walks out. And when he follows her, she's immediately getting her shirt off so she can just give herself a bath while she talks about the world. Yeah. Good, great. What? Amazing. Did he leave the money on the counter? Uh, this this movie. So they they have a quick discussion about like, hey, I'm 
I'm from the the U.S. Oh, really? I'm from Philadelphia. Oh, yeah, great! They're from, they're from New York and Pittsburgh, respectively. Well, let's let's get back to the U.S. because everything's fucked up. Let's go find your leaders in the NEB and give them this peace message. And then she's like, "Oh, I I think they're all dead because I remember that one of them little kid screamer things got in there and they t- totally murdered everybody. I'm I'm pretty sure that's how those work." They try to trick you into letting them into a building so they can murder everyone in there by being a slow-moving kid with no weapons. <laughs> Which, okay, let me let me go ahead and spoil later in the movie when we find out a little bit more about these dumb kids. Oh gosh, I don't want to ruin the continuity of the film, John. Uh, go ahead. So the kids we find out later, their big weapons are their hands actually have little buzz saws in them. Yeah, and, and they, they can make their... they can make a little demon face where their mouth gets all big and there's like pointy saw teeth in there. Yeah, they could go Rah! and turn. Rah! The, they could do the demon face thing, which you see in modern horror movies, where you know you see the character in the background and then for like a split second they go. Yeah, except now it's their mouth gets big and it's full of like little whirling blade teeth, and then they get shot because you can't exp- you can't afford to have that that shot on screen for more than a second or two. So this. And that's it. I mean, we we do later get a ton of these little kid screamers, and that's that's it. That's what they got. Yeah, they got their... a buzzsaw hand. They got weird, like bitey mouth, and that's all. But they they also shamble around slowly. Like even when they are coming to specifically kill you, they're like, "Okay, I'm gonna shamble up to you and maybe saw you in half." Okay, uh, no, here, here you I let come. one of these into your base, and he doesn't murder everyone. He attempts to saw some dude in half get shot and that's it that's the yeah. end of his adventure they would make sense if their power was to open the door yeah like they get inside and then at night they just open the door and let in all the little like sand buzz saws because we all <laughs> let me go in what if they also just sprinkled dirt around and they just sprinkled dirt for the little buzz saw yeah. screamers that's what they do they just show up can i come with you and i've got like, a pocket full of dirt i've got dirt oh i gotta go and Bye. then another one pops up can i come with you i've got a pocket full of dirt that's all it is. They just try to dirt up the place so the little screamers can get in. You open the door and the little kid's just sitting there kicking dirt in there. <laughs> can I live with you? Kick, 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 kick. Uh, anyway. So, yeah. They're harmless. Then we find out that there is another type that has evolved when they go to try and find the and NEB he, headquarters. Yeah, he finds a scanner. Like, this is Peter Weller. Finds a scanner that he can... It look, It's just a credit card reader that he can swipe these little mind chips through but they get attacked by what can only be described as a rabbit fish frog. with a buzz saw face yeah it's a fish frog saw rabbit yeah there you go and it's it is a new thing that has also evolved and it's got like little it's it is actually probably the most frightening of all the little screamer things because you've got a buzz saw that will only kill you if you're walking around on dirt a shambling idiot child with a buzz saw for a hand. And then you've got a fish frog rabbit saw, but at least that can walk around, jump at you, is tiny, and its legs are all like little Blade. knives. Yeah. And also it's got a saw visible out and spinning around all the time. Yeah. It's it's very it looks very Harry Housen-y. It's very stop motion when it's moving around with the people on screen. Yeah. And again, it's one of those things where they see this thing and then they just watch it walk up and press some buttons on a machine, and then start to walk away. Oh, yeah, because it starts going after one of the guys from the NEB who don't have that bracelet that masks your heart. So fucking Ace Ventura goes and runs and puts his bracelet in front of the other guy, and he's like, oh, this maybe this will mask your signal or whatever. And so the it little won't. robot walks away. They won't, because there's a scene early in the movie that sets up you have to be wearing the bracelet to make it work. But whatever, it works now. Don't worry about it. So the little robot's like, oh, okay, I guess I guess everything's fine here. Uh, I'll leave. Yeah. And then it turns around and is like, no, fuck you, I'm attacking. And then they shoot it and it blows up. All right. But instead of shooting it when they first saw it, it's like, oh, what's that? Oh, it's a little monster thing that wants to murder you, and it's just sort of crawling around and hasn't decided it wants to kill you yet. Oh, oh we, we all have giant rifles. Why don't we shoot it? Now nah, we better just watch it shamble around and try to murder someone. It, well, what it really amuses me is that they use a heartbeat sensor, right? So they're trying to sense heartbeats to determine whether or not they should kill you. 
But every time you see one of these little robots, we also cut to its camera feed, like a little shot of what it sees. That little predator feed where it's like, oh, I'm seeing like everything outlined in blue and yellow. But with text up, which means it's actually a heads up display that the robot is looking at. Yeah. So that means that they have cameras. So they aren't just tracking by heartbeat, but also by the fact that humans are walking around. Yeah, except it still just doesn't attack you with the fucking bracelet on. My best guess is maybe it thinks you're another robot. Sure. That, it's like, yeah, I, I bet you're some other version of Screamer that I haven't encountered but yet. But if that's the case, then that makes the humans in this movie the dumbest idiots in the world because you can te- tell whether or not someone else is a robot by checking their pulse. <laughs> anyway, uh. we see Peter Weller scan like the two chips he has, and it's like, that is a Type 1 revised. That is a fish frog rabbit saw. That That is a Type 3. That is a child. And he's like, what's a Type 2? What's a Type 2? Immediately cut, and we don't find out. And we thought, because he's like, oh, what's a Type 2? And then it cuts and goes back to the other people who were running away from fucking the slow, shambling child bots. Mm -hmm. And then he joins them, and instead of it cutting away, and you're like, oh, he found out what a Type 2 was, and it's definitely one of the people in the party, and... He can't say it because maybe they'd murder him or whatever. No, he just doesn't know. He just knows that there is a Type 2 because logically there should be between the Type 1 and the Type 3. That's not necessarily the case. The Type 2 could be a failed prototype. Yeah. And in fact, we don't find out. We don't even know if one of the other robos that we find in this movie is a Type 2. No, we know that we find a bunch of other robos, but we know that there's at least two more types, probably three more types that we know of that we see throughout the rest of the film. Yes. In fact, I would say that the problem is that Type 1s are balls with saws, and Type 1 revised are fish frog saw rabbits. Which means... That's, a, that's a, quite a revision. Yeah. Fucking, who knows? Maybe one of the other robos is like, what is this? Oh, it's Type 3 revised second edition <laughs> AD&D. Yeah, that's what it is. Oh my god. Okay, so at this point, the douche, sungla- the uh, sunglass-wearing, Shakespeare-quoting douche decides to kill the, the post-traumatic stress disorder glasses-wearing guy because he keeps saying the same thing, so he must be a robo. Yeah. Oh, you know, the little kid one keeps saying, can I come with you? And this guy just keeps saying, get off my case. Which To which the guy goes, hey man, get off my... Ca- oh. And then they throws a knife at him and kills him, but he was a human. Oh, he bled. Oh, he, he didn't just have servos, he bled. Well, now that, we know he's a human. Now we know that who, who is a human and who isn't, because humans bleed. Okay, great. All right, everyone in the middle of the room, let's have a bleeding test. Yep, come on, let's let's John Carpenter's the thing this right now. It's 2078, we've all seen the thing, let's get this happening. <laughs> nope, no, no such luck. No such luck. Instead, they decide to march back to the other base. Yep, and they kept getting some weird garbled transmissions from the other base. The one thing I did like is the first transmission he has when they get into the uh, the NEB headquarters after they kill the little kid. And he's calling back to base, and he's like, hey, man, uh, what's up? We're trying to get into the base. We're doing that now. And you can hear through the crackles, the guy on the other line goes, oh, we found a guy, and he seems all right. Yeah. He's a little weird, though. Yeah. Uh, Come on down is the other thing they're going to say a whole lot. Well, yeah, because that was the first thing. And then after that, every single time that they talk to him, it's, hey, yeah, this is whoever. Come on down. Yeah. And he's like, no, you come on up. Sorry, can't hear you. Come on down. So anyway, uh, they, they march all the way back to the other base and ask for permission to come down. It's given to them, but it's suspicious. So they, the, and, and they at this point is the lady, the douche with sunglasses, the gunnery sergeant, and and uh, super dad. Yeah. Um, all show up and they're like, oh no, it's, uh, it, it, they, they've been replaced. And I can tell because... Now, instead of saying, like, hey, it's me, he goes, like, hey, let me speak to Don Giovanni. And he's like, hey, this is Don Giovanni. Come on down. He's like, ah, fuck. So then they go and take up in placed gunnery positions. The doors open, and just an endless horde of the little boy robots come out. And just to be clear, the fish frog saw rabbit is a little metal spike monster. The boy robots are just extras. So they're just people dressed entirely. There's no point where you see like their cool metal skeleton or anything. Nope. There's one point when he gets blown up where he opens up the like the chest where they do that cutaway where all we're showing is the clothes. And it's like, oh, it's a little moving part in there. Yeah. But there's there's not really anything else. Yeah. So anyway, a bunch of them come walking out and they just shoot a whole bunch of them and then turn on a flamethrower and melt a whole bunch of them. And then uh, Super Dad 
who earlier in the movie had stopped the gunnery sergeant guy from picking up a uh, a, a, a portable cool, nuke, a cool nuclear missile, was like, damn it, nukes are what killed us war. Blah, blah, blah. Don't you leave that nuke here. Turns to him and goes, give me that nuke, you little thief. And then the guy's like, okay, here's that nuke. So th- this way the dad can be mad about, or uh, Robocop can be really mad about nukes, but still get to shoot a really cool one for everyone to see. Yes. So he blows up everything after also having a flamethrower scene where... This is how we, the only reason we know they have buzzsaw hands is because he melts the hand off of one and it's like, ah, buzzsaw hand. Yeah, they never, you never see a regular hand open up with a buzzsaw in there. No, it's just, I melted off your exterior and you happen to have a buzzsaw in there. Yeah, so uh, the nuke basically knocks everyone down and melts the base. And then when everyone gets up, uh, it turns out that, oh my gosh, the douche who killed the guy and quotes Shakespeare all the time is another robo. Oh, he kept saying, hey, I'm hurt. Come help me. And then they uh, they realized, oh, yeah, someone had told us that one of the robos would be like, oh, he always said, you need to help me. And that was what he would say all the time. Yeah. And they're like, oh, no. And then he crushes Ace freely to death. He crushes Ace, the gunnery sergeant, to death while quoting Shakespeare at him. Why do the robos know Shakespeare? I don't know. Because that was, that was weird. I went, all right fine you have an advanced enough ai it can learn how to be like a human it can like talk like one and act like one and that's fine but who had a shakespeare book on this planet that one of these robos got a hold of and was like oh yeah i'm gonna read this i'm gonna read this and then i'm gonna pair it with the appearance of a minor league baseball shortstop (laughs) who is drunk yeah that's that's what i want to do so anyway he turns out to be a robo and uh, crushes Ace to death, and then gets, like, chopped in half by fucking uh, Super Dad. Super Dad chops him in half, but before he does, he does the most amazing combat move I've seen, which is to (laughs) run at him, sort of, and then fall down near him. Oh my god, I almost forgot about that. So, you have established now that these uh, screamers have various buzzsaw bits, Mm -hmm. and... We watched him, like, just crush the middle of this other guy. Yeah. So he has super strength. Yeah. Peter Weller's big plan was basically Ghostbusters. He was just like, get him. Yeah. I'm going to run at you with my arms out. Yeah, arms out. Running, like, the way, uh, shit, the way Brian Bend or no, the way uh, Rob Liefeld draws someone running. Just arms stuck out at 90 degree angles, floating along behind him like a Naruto-style ninja. And he's just like, Mah! And he just falls down. Yeah, and then fucking he just like bullfighter moves out of the way and throws him. He's like, okay, that was dumb. Yeah. Even if I wasn't a robo, that was real dumb. Yeah. And uh, that revol- basically cuts that robo in half, then finds the lady. And the lady comes over and, and, and he's like, while uh, RoboCop, while Peter Weller is digging through that robot's innards looking for the, for the chip, and he finds it, and oh my god, it's a triangle chip. It's an even more differenter chip. And it's not written on in English. It's written on in Robish. Yeah. And she's like, oh, was that a, was that a type two? Oh, well, I guess we'll never know. And we won't. And we then, actually won't. And then she says a super creepy line of, can I see the chip? And so he responds by cutting her hand. To prove yeah. she's, a ro- she's a human, and she bleeds and starts screaming. And then, the next thing that happens in the movie, <laughs> after she bleeds and starts screaming, <sighs> is they start making out. Well, I know that's always the precursor on all of my dates. Whenever I'm like, I feel like maybe she's into me, but I'm not really sure. I feel like maybe she's a robot, but I'm not really sure. I'm going to cut her hand open, and if she bleeds, oh, it's make-out time. Oh. So, see, so he cuts her and then starts making out with her. And she's like, yeah, this is fine. I'm okay. I'm, yeah, this is good. I like this. I'm okay with this. My hand doesn't hurt or anything. No, I'm fine with this gaping hand wound you've given me. Yeah. Oh, my God. So the two of them, and then he goes, all right, so there's a secret escape rocket that that is... Uh, has never been brought up before, but I'm going to tell you now, there's actually a rocket to Earth that we can take that was given to us only for a dire circumstance. Anyway, uh, there you go. We'll go to that now. So these are the last two survivors. An obvious robot who, for some reason, has one handful of blood. <laughs> and Super Dad. I like because later... Me, hold on. Let me just say. We, uh, we are obviously going to find out that she's a robot. Fucking spoiler alert. Whatever. Yeah, well, the, the trailer did that. Yeah. Okay. So... That means we had her, she's a robot. Mm-hmm. We had uh, Shakespeare. Scumbag Shakespeare, who was a robot. Yeah. And we had the two humans. 
Now, they show up outside of this base when just waves of these kid screamers come out. Both of the robots are then fighting these kid screamers. Oh, this uh, that Shakespeare dude shoots the first kid screamer that we see in the movie. Yeah. Now, okay, fair enough. Maybe, just maybe, he shot that kid screamer when we first see them because he's still trying to keep his cover. He's playing the long game. But as soon as it's like, oh yeah, every human on this planet except for these two that I am currently standing next to are dead. Yeah. Here comes a wave of other screamers. That are on my side. Why he didn't just turn to them while they were shooting and go, and I crush you to death, and now I'll fight you, and even if you manage to murder me, the time it takes to fight me a wave of other little kid screamers will come up and murder you. Well, there's you. a whole bunch of moments in this where robots are at best playing the long game and at worst are just being idiots. Oh, yeah. Like, for example, they live in that NEB base at a rate of robots to humans of two to one. Uh-huh. There's one human left, and he's a terrified weirdo whose, fail- whose entire uh, platoon was killed by robots and is harmless. Why are they leaving him around? In case some other humans come by so they can trap them and then follow them back to another base and then infiltrate that base, except that base has already been infiltrated by other robots, so it's all set. At this point, they're just fucking with the the, the two remaining humans for no reason. They're just playing a dumb long game. Yeah, there's no reason for this to be happening. Now, when we find out that there's a rocket ship to Earth and we are very much like, oh yeah, that lady is definitely a robo, like, oh, okay, I guess their their long game plan was to get to Earth and then infect Earth with all these robos. Except we didn't know, and the robos didn't know, that there was a way off of the planet until right then. Yeah. Which means, again, they've just been fucking around for no and reason. Even if they know there's a rocket, there's no reason to have this guy Pied Piper them to it. All they need to do, they're robots. One thing that robots have is time. And, and numbers, apparently, because they make billions of robos all over the planet. Why don't they just go find the rocket? How hard is that? Just send some robots out in a scouring pattern to everywhere that humans have previously been. And eventually, you're going to find that rocket. Or you know what? You're a robot that can build advanced human-looking and acting robots. You can build a rocket. You can do it. You know what? There's a goddamn beryllium mine that you are sitting on top of that has fuel for it. Yeah. You could easily make a rocket and go... It doesn't even need to be a good rocket. You don't breathe and you're not worried about pressure. No, you can just make a shit propulsion system. It could just be an engine with a seat on the front. <laughs> uh, but nope. No, nope. they have to follow you around to the next rocket ship, which uh, they definitely uh. find after conveniently running out of their last red anti-rad cigarette. Yeah, which incidentally, the lady's been smoking too, which is funny to me that that she has to smoke them to keep up appearances, even though it'll probably kill the guy when she smokes through all of his cigarettes. <laughs> Uh, All right, well, anyway, she, the two of them get into this building, and she rides down to the rocket ship first, and then the second-in-command from the beginning of the movie that we've all forgotten about by this point shows up as a robo and attacks Peter Weller. Well, yeah, because Peter Weller had to get, there's some crane in the way of the launch path. Yeah. So he's like, all right, you go down there, I'm going to try and move this crane, and then it turns out the big shadowy reveal that the second-in-command is now attacking him, but it's not really the second-in-command, it's... That dirtbag Shakespeare, but now he took the second-in-command's skin. Except, I don't understand how that works, because the baby robos probably just cannibalized his skin to make their stuff, to make the little kid robos, since there's a bajillion of them. Yeah, there's way more than there were, like, surviving Alliance guys. So they had to just go, alright, well, each of us gets to use a little bit to make the face and hands, since everything else is covered. Yeah. And this guy's this robot is bragging about how we managed to kill the second in command and is now wearing his face. And I'm like, okay, so you guys also, in addition to being cool humanoid robots, built the advanced, extremely advanced biomedical machinery necessary to keep face skin alive just so you can fuck with this one surviving human. Yep. And boy, does he. Okay. And he does by just kicking him a bunch and making him fight. Yeah, and they fight on top of a big crane. crane and... We've established that this robot is ridiculously strong. He can huck things crazy distances. He can crush a human with his bare hands. Except, nope, not RoboCop. You can't stop him. Peter Weller is definitely going to be able to fight you because 
he has all the powers of being a gruff older gentleman. Yeah, and so he throws the evil robot down to below where he falls into a laser and is instantly evaporated because there's just lasers in here. <laughs> it's just okay. I understood that there was a laser grid covering the, uh, what the rocket was. Cause they're like, Oh yeah, no, it's a defense thing. Yeah, sure. sure. Why not? Uh-huh. But then they turn the defense grid off. And there's just stray lasers. There's just extra lasers. You're going to get a couple of those. You're going to have a few lasers that are just on. Just bouncing lasers. You can't turn them all off. Those are the night lasers. Oh, the night lasers. They're a great band. I was just about to say, I would so see the night lasers. <laughs> I would buy a night laser t-shirt now. Oh, yeah. Just, oh, huge letters, just night laser with lasers coming out of the sides. Oh, man. Night laser's also totally going to be a band that has their own cartoon. Oh, absolutely they do. Fucking night lasers and they're in space. Uh, oh, they man. meet Scooby-Doo and solve crimes. Scooby-Doo and night laser together at last. <laughs> oh, okay. Anyway. We get the final stupid twist reveal where the woman turns out to be a robo, and we know this because another copy of her comes walking in and is like, hi, I'm a robot. He's like, like, hey. I'm, I'm a robot. Oh, yeah. No, she's just she walks in and goes, hey, I'm from like Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh and I want to go to Earth. Yeah, just stupid. And then the two ladies start having a fight because the first lady robo is like, oh, I... I've learned how to love. I've fallen in love with you because of your gruffness and your conservative viewpoint and how you sit in a chair and watch Fox News for seven hours every night. Oh, yes. You hate Obama so much that you have made me fall in love. Yeah. So the two robos start getting in a fight, and even though the launch sequence got like 90 seconds left, he's got to see how this fight turns out. Oh, yeah. He's just sitting there watching the two robos punch each other and... At one point, it's like 30 seconds left, and one of the robos just like straight Kali Ma rips out the heart of the good one, Mm -hmm. and you're like, and he's still just sitting there looking at him. He hasn't gotten into the ship, hasn't done anything. Yeah. He goes and kisses the the half of of a good robot he was hanging out with for a long time, then finally gets in the spaceship and flies away and has brought along one of the teddy bears from one of the Davids, and wouldn't you know it, it starts moving around. Which, okay, one... No, you had never grabbed that teddy bear. The fact that that's in the ship, where did you even get that from? Yeah. And two, you wouldn't have. Like, there's no point during this where Peter Sellers is like, hey, man, I want this. He isn't even sad when the first David gets shot. The first David gets blown up and he just walks over to it and looks at it and goes, huh, it was a robot all along. A damn dirty robo. It was a toaster. Oh, hold on. Wait a minute. That's Battlestar Galactica. It was a robo. Yeah, it was a sword. Fucking sword. Who are you fucking kidding with that? Do not call those shit swords. Man, when I read originally the premise for this before we even watched the trailer, Mm. it was like, oh, there's these autonomous swords and they've begun to take human shape. I went, dude, if there is straight up a sword that (laughs) flies around killing people... I am on board. I wouldn't even mind if they were just pulled through the dirt still. Like, just a sword blade comes up out of the dirt. Yeah, it just does the Jaws thing where it's like, and a sword blade is going through dirt. Oh, my God. And what if there were, like, different types of swords? Like, when he was like, there's a type two, it's a scimitar. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no, the long sword. (laughs) That'd be amazing. That'd be, like, 80 times better if it was just a bunch of swords traveling through the dirt like sand sharks. Oh, yeah, and then he'd get betrayed by that one that's always quoting Shakespeare and be like, you know what? You're a real bastard, sword. <laughs> yeah, that's what I want. Oh, that's such a poignard scene. <laughs> when that happens. Uh, ha. Zvi- Falchion. <laughs> Zweihander. <laughs> Kopesh. Claymore. <laughs> so, the, uh, yeah, that's it. He that, that's- leaves and now he's going to Earth with a robo-bear. A Robear. A Robear. A Robear. Oh, my God. Who could possibly care? All right. Well, there you go. We're pretty far past the point of no return on this pile of garbage. John, you want to do the thing? Yeah, let's do it. Okay. So, best and worst. What is the highlight for you? We'll start off with the best thing in this film. What did you like the most in Screamers? Okay. The best thing in Screamers is... Oh, God, I didn't like it. Come on, get it. You got to find something. It's the little saw fish frog rabbit robot when it's walking around. The one scene in the movie where they actually have some special effects dollars and they spend them on a little cute robot that has a saw for a face and just kind of scuffles around and interacts with the environment. That's kind of neat. So there you go. I like that scene. What was your favorite thing in this movie? You know, my favorite thing in this movie was probably the 
premise given? Yeah, okay. The, the Philip K. Dick story upon which this was based before it was mangled by a bear. <laughs> by a ro-bear. By a ro-bear. Is probably pretty good. I'm sure that's an okay story. Well, I mean, even just the, oh, it's a paranoia, who's a robot, who's a human, we don't know. Like, that kernel of an idea for the movie, I went, oh, that's that's interesting. Except you spent half of your movie just fucking around for no reason, and then the second half, the robots made no sense. Yeah, like, I could definitely see that, that same storyline done way better. Like, for example, if there had been a scene where they all started repeating the lines from all along the watchtower... Or, uh, if or one- maybe if one of them were to, I don't know, say, be tied up and then they did a test on him and, and then he freaked out. Yeah, or if one of them dies apparently and then shows up two seasons later and is an angel now. Yeah, that, that'd be fine. That'd fix it up for me. Yeah, no. Or or if this movie entirely took place in Antarctica. Yeah, that'd be great, too. Maybe like a Swedish team that's there first. Yeah. yeah. Maybe, maybe have uh, have Kurt Russell play the... the- <laughs> The part of the main character. You know, maybe that. You know what? Kurt Russell works just fine if you're casting a dad dude. Oh, it's true. Yeah. I mean, I feel like he... But the thing is, I think he's willing to make fun of that shit. Because having watched Escape from L.A., that's what he's doing. Yes. He is just making fun of that trope. So, anyway, there you go. So, uh, there there you go. That's our highlights. The low light. What's the worst thing in Screamers to you? Holy shit. Pick... Pick the thing that is the worst. I'm going to go with my least favorite thing in science fiction movies, which is where the main character, in an attempt to make them associate with the audience more, hates the fucking future. <laughs> and they're always like, ah, things are only getting worse in the future. Things ain't what they used to be. I remember when you could ride a car. I'm like, God damn it, just shut up. Just just assimilate. Show me someone who is assimilated to the future. Oh, yeah. Well, and the thing is, it's always like, oh, it's 150 years or 200 years or whatever into the future, and they're like, oh, these new fangled whatever, I, I prefer a motorcycle. And you're like, dude, you don't know what nowadays is like, fucking motor cars, I prefer a carriage. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's like, uh, if you were to set something 20 years from now, and you'd have one character who's like, no, I'm not going to ride a hover cycle, I'm going to ride a penny farthing. <laughs> That's how you get all the good control. Also, I'm going to wear a singlet and carry a big triangle weight. Yeah, no, it's so silly. It's it's always silly, and it doesn't do what it's supposed to do. It's supposed to give you a character to hook onto in the future because they're kind of like you. Oh, yeah. You instead, like the same things I do. Oh, I can associate with that guy because he likes opera and coin collecting. Uh, nope. Nope. No one is into numismatics and opera. Anyway, that's always my least favorite thing, and it's my least favorite thing in this more than usual. All right. You? Okay, so least favorite thing in this is... Dropping the mysteries. Oh God, yeah. I mean, even if I just have to pick one, dropping the the whole space bus thing. Yeah, that the space crashed. bus thing. Like that. That's ridiculous. You have this entire setup that the first act of your movie seems like it's moving towards, and then nope, don't care anymore. Yeah, nothing to say about it. There's a bus that's got something pr- impossible printed on the side of it, full of dead marines and a nuclear device, and here it is on the wrong planet, according to the one person who survived where it came from. What's this mystery about? Don't worry about it. God, I mean, it was like watching Lost. Yes, it was a lot like watching Lost. Yeah. All right. So there you go. And now, for our rating of the movie, we each give it a 1 to 5. That gives us our rating out of 10. Jeff. 1. 1. 1. I mean, it's it, I, I'm almost tempted to give it the old point five. The old point five. The old point five. The This wasted my time. Uh, but there were a few things about it that I kind of gave me the what factor. Where I wanted to watch and see the crazy next thing that occurs. Okay. Just, in this case, it was because of incompetence. Yeah. But I still was like, I want to see what happens. So let's keep watching for another minute or two. Uh, uh. So it gives it gets the one from me. Good. Do you? Ah, uh, God, it's got to get a one from me too. It's just so boring as well. Like we yeah. we covered basically everything that happens in this movie, but in between all of the action, it's just. What are you doing? I'm walking somewhere. I'm having a boring conversation about something that will never be brought up again and has no point. Yeah, and also a lot of watching four characters from a very close camera angle uh, move their way through through obvious factory corridors. Oh, yeah. The, the second act of this film takes place entirely in some factory where they got permission to film. Yep. And I, I feel like there's got to be some point in the history of, of sci-fi movies where they stop doing that, where they're finally like, Okay, it's cheap enough to green screen now that we don't need to film anything in an obvious concrete factory and pretend it's a spaceship anymore. Yeah, which 
man, that was a lot of sci-fi. Yeah, that's most sci-fi from like 1980 to 1997 or so is is people walking around an abandoned box factory and being like, this is a spaceship. <laughs> Spaceships are always full of concrete staircases and railings. God damn it. <laughs> so there you go. A two out of ten. That's uh, that's not real good. We can't we cannot recommend screamers. I do not recommend screamers. I do not. When when at first I heard when you were like, oh, it's not a horror film. It's like a thriller space thing. I was like, all right. It's I'm a sci-fi action film. I'm slightly more akin to watching that or uh, available to watch this now than I was when I thought it was just going to be some horror movie about like ghost kids that scream, <laughs> which was my first thought. Screamers. I was like, oh, crap. It's going to be some Japanese screamy ghost kid, isn't it? See, whereas I immediately went to scanners and I was sort of right. Yeah. Yeah. Fairly close. Just weird 80s shenanigans. Is there any cheaper thing in science fiction than the aliens look just like us? Maybe the aliens are off screen. Yeah, there's that, I guess. The Kilrathi, for example, in Wing Commander. Yeah. Just don't worry about it. They have green lasers. That's how you know they're Kilrathi. Done. Done. Don't care. If the Kilrathi looked just like us, though, that would have been pretty great. (laughs) People would be like, no, they're big lion dudes. I know. I've played those video games. Nope. Couldn't afford it. Nope. We just got guys with beards. Yep. They're guys who look... Just like us, it's a new evolution of Kill Rathi. Uh, At least that didn't happen. But no, nah, God, fuck movies where the aliens look just like us. <laughs> fuck screamers and fuck contact. There you go. So that has been Movie Mastery. If there's a movie you want us to review, go ahead and suggest it to us. We are always adding to the list. Mm-hmm. You can find it at systemmasterypodcast.com. Go find our big official movie list. You can leave a comment there and we can put it on the list there. Or if you want, you can go ahead and email us at systemmastery at gmail. Find us at System Mastery on Twitter, System Mastery Facebook. Leave us a comment. Tweet at us. Hey, send us a message on Reddit. We're System Mastery there, too. Go Fucking for it. Send us some snail mail. Find us, I don't know, on the street. Find our jobs. <laughs> Find out who we are. Stalk us. Make <laughs> us feel real uncomfortable. Yeah. <laughs> Show up at my place of business and then... I don't know. Ask me some questions, Quinn. <laughs> don't do that. No. <laughs> don't turn it back on me. <laughs> uh, All right, <yep>. then. <laughs> so there you go. We will uh, definitely be back next time with our in theaters now because we have hit our Patreon goal. Oh, yeah. Thank you very much, listeners. Yeah. Thank you so much. So now we will be reviewing what is most likely going to be Angry Birds. It's not too late to turn that tide. If you want us to go watch some other horrible movie coming out in May, you can find it on the in theaters now tab of the movies drop down on the main page of our website. Yep. And then you can vote there and find out what we're going to do every month. We'll post a poll at the beginning of the month, maybe a little beforehand, so that way you've got some time to vote and we can go see whatever. Exactly. Don't forget to rate and review us on iTunes and Stitcher. We always really appreciate that. Give us all those fives of stars. And uh, other than that, we're doing so good on that Kickstarter, so or Kickstarter on that Patreon. So thank you so much for your support, and just keep pushing us towards that final goal. At which point we buy a pig. Yep, we're gonna get a pig. We'll put him on. He'll review a movie with us. Yeah. I want to make a micro pig watch a shitty movie. That's right. We will do that. We'll Ludovico that micro pig. <laughs> I mean, I'm not gonna tape his eyelids open. I mean, metaphorically. Yeah, metaphorically, Ludovico. What I'm actually gonna do is keep the pig on my lap and be like, "Oh, piggy." As I'm watching a shitty movie, I'll be like, little pig, little pig, and he'll be like, <laughs> I'll be like, oh, it's adorable. I bet he wants some beer. <laughs> so thank you so much for supporting us. Thanks for listening. And until next time, you have a wonderful week. Welcome to another episode of Movie Mastery. It's a podcast where we listen and watch and review and do everything else with movies. <laughs> we get to third base with movies. Oh yeah, we're getting we're getting under the shirt over the bra with movies. Ha, 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 ha.
motherfucker. We can't have two minutes of you cracking yourself up to start an episode. We just can't. Uh, oh, God. I can't do it. This goes in blooper reels.